Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Board Game Mechanics. I'm Katie and with me as always is... Hey everybody, what's going on? It is Jason. I hope everybody had a wonderful Christmas. Joyeux Noël, depending on where you're from. Is that French? Yes. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't speak French. So, uh, <laughs> Merry Christmas, I guess is what we say in the good old US of A. Um, yeah, we had a great Christmas. Our kids had a really... A fun time, I think. I'm never sure. Yeah, I think it was fine. It, uh, I mean, it's as fine as it's ever going to be, I think. Considering Santa brought um, a Polaroid camera and no film, so that was a good move. Yeah, Santa's not the not the best sometimes. Some, some things slip through the cracks for Santa. <laughs> Yikes. He's got a lot of kids, a lot of things to remember. <laughs> oh, boy. But I hope everyone had a wonderful Christmas and Happy New Year! Well, I guess when this drops, it will be New Year's Eve. So looking to say goodbye to 2021 and hello 2022. Yep. Can't be any worse. Stop saying things like that. (laughs) I guess that's true. (laughs) Knock on wood. I don't know if anybody has any New Year's resolutions. I always conceptually think about resolutions, but don't get too specific because i can never hold myself to them yeah i don't even try so i'm not even going to pretend i always try to make like new board game resolutions like don't judge a board game by its cover give space games a try but i don't really want to so i <laughs> it never works out i'm still gonna do it you know i eventually am forced to play games i don't i don't really want to and i like them often yeah that's true i mean i'm a little more open-minded than you but yeah i know I, yeah. I, one of my resolutions, I think, is to make more board game videos this year. I'm going to do it. It's got to find a good schedule or I just got to go for it. Yeah, it sure isn't during the two weeks we've had off for the holiday vacation because there's no free time during any of that. No, there hasn't. Like with our kids home from school, it's just like in holiday preps and seeing everybody, it's 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 complete insanity at our house. Like, absolutely. Once I go back to school on the 3rd, it, I'll be able to breathe. I'm just going to bask in the silence on that Monday. I got to get ready for my next semester. <laughs> Thankfully, I have a week by myself to, to plan a whole, you know, four months in because I cannot do it this week. Well, speaking of getting ready for the new year, I've got some crowdfunding news and some things are starting to look up on Kickstarter. You know, it's still not great, but it's getting better. I mean, like I said before, it can't get any worse, right? Stop. Yes, it could. Keep knocking on wood every time you say these ridiculous things. Uh, So the first game might sound familiar, but because it's the name of the band. And this first game I found on Kickstarter is called Flack of Seagulls. I ran. Yeah. Ran so I ran so far, far away. away. Yeah. That is not it. Flack of Seagulls is actually this card game with seagulls on cards. Possibly a flock of them. There are different kinds of seagulls. Some of them are wearing outfits. Um, some of them are dressed like pirates. Um, some of the cards don't even have seagulls. They have like food that a seagull would take. So this is very much like kids game, kind of along the lines of slapjack almost, um, mixed with maybe happy salmon. I don't know. It's it's a little bit of an interactive card game. So everyone is trying to uh, collect 
You're trying to collect all the cards as one person. And so in doing so, you're going to eliminate other people. So the idea is when you make a misstep in this game, you lay three cards down and that diminishes the cards that you gain. So like if uh, if a pirate seagull gets played, everyone everyone has to yell parlay. And the last person to yell parlay puts three cards in. Um, if you have three seagulls in different colored costumes come out in a row, you have to slap the deck. Um, the first person that slaps the deck obviously doesn't get punished. Everybody else put in three cards. Um, if good food comes out like fish and chips, then you want to slap the deck for that good food. However, there is bad food. And bad food looks kind of like good food, but just a little tiny difference. So a little tricky. It's just a, kind of a fun, silly game with silly seagull art. Um, so if you're interested in like card games and really simple card games, maybe you want your kids have driven you nuts with Slapjack, Uno, or Old Maid, this would be something different. So check out Flock of Seagulls. There are six days left on that Kickstarter, and the deck of cards is $21. Yeah, it sounds like something that Rory would like. Um, when you were talking about it, I was like, this sounds like something she'd want me to play with her every single day. So She totally would. She usually plays <laughs> card games with me, though. So That's true. I get to dodge those bullets, I guess. <laughs> I end up playing it 20 times in a row. It's slightly better than War, but fairly similar. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like it. The next game is also a card game, but one that is way more in my wheelhouse because of the art and the theme. And this game is called The Big Shuffle, a film noir card game. I love film noir. I love that like gritty detective, um, femme fatales, like mobster. I love that kind of theme. Art, like really great artwork. And that is what this game is about. You're kind of building your own... Uh, your own film noir, basically. You get like a classic noir character, like the detective or the femme fatale. Um, I forget who some of the other ones are. And they each, oh, um, I think the mob boss, maybe. They each have objectives. So like your role gives you some agendas that you need to complete. And that, and once you've completed it, that's the end of the game. So your character also has like a unique, some unique player abilities. You're gonna get um, you know the opening scene, the who, the what, the where. You know they kind of set the scenes, and then you're gonna get these other cards that are gonna like give you informants and loot and actions. And those cards also have like currency on them or like influence on them. And that's going to allow you to play different cards and pick up different cards in order to like meet your agendas. It's got this really cool artwork. I love it. You move through the scene to scene. Like the film fatale, the film fatale, like her player agenda is um, you need the film fatale or the mafia don. You either get the oldest profession card or the dirty double cross card. And then you get the red light district or the train station. So like you're trying to get these particular scenes set up. Um, based on the agenda that you get from your player. I don't quite know how the gameplay works because it's not very clear. It's Kickstarter. Gameplay doesn't matter. It's all about what the game looks like. I know. But the game looks cool. And I like film noir. Uh, The artwork is cool. It's mostly like black and white with like red accents, which I think is I I think that just looks really good. So it's competitive, two to four players. If you are interested in card games, 
like I mentioned before, but maybe a little more sophisticated card games, some neat artwork you like, film noir. Uh, check out The Big Shuffle. Eight days left in that Kickstarter, $35. Sounds interesting. I'd be interested to see a video of how the game plays because sounds kind of cool. I know. I didn't watch the video because, you know, I don't watch anybody's videos. I'm like, I should be able to figure it out from reading. You should. I, I agree with you. But that's not how it works. So I did not watch the instructional video from Previously Pluto like I should have. My bad. But you can watch it because it's on their Kickstarter page. So check that out uh, before eight days after this podcast drops is up. Now, my last one is really cool. And of course, Jason's going to hate it because it's the most expensive one. But this looks awesome. And the last one I want to talk about is the Book of Lost Things. So I was reading about it, and the creator is actually really into, like, the Book of Kells, loves these, like, old medieval illuminated texts. And that's what this looks like. It's a hardback book. However, you use AR with it, augmented reality, through either your phone or tablet. And you turn these pages of the text, these pages in this book, there's, like, lost language in there that the AR will translate translate for you. Um, there'll be like puzzles within some of the stuff. Three objects kind of pop out. Um, there's like cryptograms and messages and puzzles all in there. You're looking for hidden symbols around like these objects and artifacts that you're finding on these pages in this book. Um, there are because it, it looks like an illuminated text. So there's some storytelling happening as you're going through this. But they say it's a Sherlock-style adventure in this form of an ancient manuscript. So it's like all, and there's all these story that's going through there, these, all these lost objects, artifacts, that you're looking at it. Each object is like a new chapter of the story. Um, you look through the AR and it kind of pulls these three-dimensional, like, uh, translated texts. It'll have, like, annotations from these mysterious annotators that you don't know yet maybe points out things gives you these little puzzles and things to solve they call it like an escape room in a book i don't i don't know if that's true but it seems like it kind of is because you're working through a mystery i don't know it's just it's really intriguing to me the artwork is really interesting what the ar does to it to pull everything up 3d and um give these annotations and different puzzles and things that you can um go through and extract and understand i i just find it really really fascinating um so if you like puzzle games if you like kind of that augmented reality stuff if you like using apps and that that unique interaction like detective chronicles of crime kind of stuff Check this one out. The Book of Lost Things. There's 11 days left on the Kickstarter, and it's $79. Yeah, it's not the price point that doesn't sound good on this. It's basically everything else. Oh, my uh, gosh. It's just not my jam. I'm not into story. I don't I don't like Sherlock Holmes consulting. I'm not really into escape room games. I don't know. Just not my jam. You're boring. I think it sounds awesome. You're boring. I'm not boring because I want to play Book of Lost Things, man. All right, so that's all I have for your crowdfunding Kickstarter news this week. All right, so now we're going to talk about some good stuff. We got some games that we were able to play over the holiday weekend, week, whatever you want to call it, the holiday period. 
And one of the games that we're going to talk about is a game that I got for Christmas that we played with Tim from the Board Game Rundown. He brought out this game that was impossible to find, and he's like, hey, you need to play this because it's amazing. And then good luck finding it because you're never going to find it. Well, joke's on you, Tim. We got one. And that game is Lords of Vegas. Um, so this is a, a game effectively about building out the Las Vegas Strip, the new strip. And you're basically building different casinos. You may have to merge with other casinos and take them over. You're trying to become the boss of the casino because it gives you some more options and some points. And it's effectively a race to have the most points by the time the the in-game card comes up in the deck. There's a little more to it than that, but it's a, it's a, it's a, a building up a casino, getting money, earning points type of game. You can do some gambling because it is Vegas. Um, but yeah, you're at the mercy of the dice a lot, but so fun. We played this twice in a row, once with, uh, Katie's sister and her husband and his sister. And then once with Katie's cousin and her husband. Oh man, it was so good every time. Um, and then I played it with my buddy, Brandon at two players and not as good at two players. It needs to have more players, I think to, to really shine, but still so good. Um, I, I liked it better now that we have it because I actually got to read through the rules and, you know, learn it myself as opposed to being taught a game because I like to read the rules and figure it out for myself. But, man, it's so good, and I'm so glad that I got this for Christmas. So do you still like Lords of Vegas after we played it twice in a row? Not in a row, but in the same day. I do like it. Um, I I don't know if I'll rank it as high going forward. Um, I'm absolutely terrible at it. Like, I I feel like that has become obvious to me. The game is still fun. Um, But there is a lot of luck involved. But not so much that you're like, oh, well, I'm never going to go anywhere with this. Um, I think the more I play it, the more interested to see how it kind of works itself out. Like, will I get any better? Like, will I make better choices? I'm not sure. Uh, but I, I, I do, I, I do still enjoy the game. I was surprised at how easy, like kind of non gamers picked up on it, which I think is cool. Kind of that first round or so seems overwhelming. Um, but it's still, it's still definitely a good game. Uh, it, it still is a lot of fun. You're, you're, when you are deciding like, oh yeah, I'm going to take over this casino. Yeah, it's going to happen. Or, or somebody else is going to take it over from me. Like, oh, dang it. You know, like those roles become really critical. It feels really tense. Like, uh, there's just a lot of like tense and fun and like exciting moments. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to make this casino green. And then the next card turns out to be green. You're like, yeah, it pays off right away. Like there's some really uh, like fun kind of moments like that. Like those like make or break moments that I I think makes a still a really compelling game. Um, Even the fact that money has like Vegas entertainers is super fun. Uh, It's annoying that it's paper money, but still, like, there's so much fun stuff to this game. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I can't wait to play it again. Um, Lone Shark Games was actually having some wicked sales on some expansions, and we picked up a couple expansions for the price of one, which is so cool. So I can't wait to bust those out and just, you know, add a little bit more to the game. But I'm more than happy playing the base game as it is because it's so much fun. All right, so the next game we played, and the last one we're going to talk about today, we also played with um, your cousin and her husband, and did Bella and their daughter played this one. 
I also played it with my aunt oh, that's and true. my cousin for like a while because you weren't, I don't know where you were. I was at band, uh, band oh, practice, you were at, I think. When you were at band practice. And we played it like six or seven times in a row. <laughs> nice. Uh, the game is called <laughs> Bang the Dice Game. I only played it once when I played it, so Katie played it a lot more than me this time. But we've played this a lot of times. It's not like a new game, but. We haven't played it in a while, so we figured we'd talk about it. So Bang the Dice Game is the dice game version of the card game Bang. And the really the biggest difference is it's dice instead of cards. And the gameplay is a whole lot shorter. Uh, you can play a game of this in, I don't know, 15 minutes, depending on what kind of dice rolls come up and all that type of thing. So it's the same type of deal. There's going to be a sheriff. Depending on the number of players, there's going to be a number of deputies, outlaws, and maybe some renegades. And the sheriff's trying to figure out who's on their team. The outlaw's trying to kill the sheriff. And the renegade's trying to be the last person alive and kill the sheriff last. Because then that's how they win. And you're doing that by rolling some dice. Uh, Different die faces could blow you up if you roll some dynamite. You could roll a Gatlin gun. It shoots everybody. Uh, Then you're going to have little bullet sides that are one or two. You can shoot people up to one or two spaces away. And then um, whatever happens, happens. So sometimes you're at the mercy of what you roll. You can't always, you know not shoot somebody that you didn't want to. Like if the sheriff was two spaces away from me and I was the deputy and I ended my third role with the two, I have to shoot the sheriff. So it's a little bit random, but that's also what makes it go quicker because what happens happens. And yeah, I I like this game a lot. I think everybody that, well, everybody that I played it with this week, this holiday had a good time. I'll let you talk about the other ones that you played, but yeah, it's a good game, easy to teach and just fun. So I enjoyed it. So now you can go ahead and talk about your six games in a row. Yeah. I mean, most people really like that Wild West theme. Like, it's fun to be like outlaws or the sheriff or whatever. Um, I like that you have, like, everybody's got, like, a player power, which I think adds a little spice to the game. It's pretty cool. Um, it is so much luck, though, with being the dice game, which, I, again, does end the game faster. Like, uh, I was the deputy in the Renegade, a couple times in a row and my cousin's husband Jeremy was the sheriff he blew himself up like two turns in a row I'm like dude <laughs> I'm trying to keep you alive and you're freaking blowing yourself with dynamite here that's funny and so we'd like joke around and play like uh, like do a little storytelling like I'm gonna shoot you and then I'm gonna give you a beer so there's no hard feelings right like just <laughs> random stuff like that I- I personally, it, part of it is nostalgia. I like the card game better um, because it's more, it is more gamery. A hundred percent. It's it's more of a game for sure. And I think my cousin and her husband would probably enjoy that one as well. But this is much faster. It's much easier to teach to new people. Um, you're constantly moving along. Again, like no, when someone's eliminated after they've been killed, they're not dead for an excessive amount of time, but also, you know, it's just kind of up to the, the roll, the dice, what you can do and how things are going to go. Still super fun. Lots of room for like storytelling, which I think is fun. Also, uh, it just, yeah, we played it six, seven times in a row. Cause everybody just really enjoyed it. I'm pr- my cousin and her husband bought this game. <laughs> like, Oh, we're playing, we're hanging out with my family at New Year's Eve. And I think they'd really get into this. So yeah, we went ahead and bought it. I'm like, that's awesome. You know, for me, that's such a, 
like ringing endorsement because you know we're out there proselytizing to the masses about the board game <laughs> um faith or whatever yeah. so when other people buy a game because they played it with us and liked it so much like to me that's a huge win so yeah it was a good time this game's nice it's a lot easier to explain than the card game because it's basically yahtzee with a few different like right. die faces so you know hey you get three rolls like yahtzee Whatever you end with on your third roll is what you're stuck with. And then you just have to explain a little bit of the rules. So it's easy to teach. Um, yeah, it's, it's just fun. I enjoy it. We don't play it a lot because it's more fun when you have a bunch of people, I think. Because um, you get more outlaws, more renegades, and it's just a little more chaotic. But yeah, I, I do enjoy this one. So those are two of the games that we played. Now we're going to move on to some really, really good stuff. It's the fun. That's right. We are talking about our top 10 on this week's podcast. What a great way to get ready to leave 2021 and head into 2022 by finishing our top 100. Uh, These games are epic. Uh, There's actually a couple crossovers on our list. You will hear... Games that you heard the other mention before, absolutely. Um, these are our style games. All of them, for the most part, heavy Euros. Sorry, people. <laughs> yeah, mostly. There are a couple that aren't, but mostly, yeah. Mostly ugly, heavy Euros. Because um, that's how we roll. So if that's not your jam, why are you listening to us, number one? Turn it off now. <laughs> But if you're looking for something, like you want to dip your toe into that water, this is the list for you. So, Jace, what is your number 10? My number 10, number 10, is a game that I think you've already talked about, I believe. I have. It sounds familiar. And it's called Tekenu Obelisk of the Sun. Yeah, I, I like this game. You've talked about it already. This is a game where you're drafting dice around this big obelisk. And based on where the obelisk is situated, it's going to put some of the dice in a forbidden zone, some of them in a dark zone, some of them in a light zone. Each of the dice that you take from a certain zone are going to go into this like scale that you have, and you're trying to balance that throughout the game. But they're all going to let you do different types of actions based on where you take it from. You may build some temples. You may build some, um, I don't know, pillars over in the temple. You may... Get some in-game bonus cards. You may put up a statue around the obelisk. A whole bunch of stuff you can do. But it's all like dice placement and just really, really crunchy. There's only like 16 or 17 actions that you take in the game. So you're trying to make the best that you know the best of every action that you get because you don't want to waste one because that would kill you. Um, so this is a it, it's a great game. The more I play it, the more I enjoy it. It doesn't look the coolest other than the obelisk on the table. Everything else is like gray and tan, but it's fun. So my number 10. Tekenu Obelisk of the Sun. Yeah, this is my number 40. And the more I play it, the more I really enjoy this game. So good. My number 10 is Super Ugly Euro. (laughs) And that is The Voyages of Marco Polo. This game is so good. Like, legit. It's really good. Um, So in this game, you are doing lots of different things. You're doing some trading. You are uh, completing some contracts. You are moving around a board and leaving little settlements behind. You have a player power that seems ridiculously OP, 
but so does everyone else's. Like, that's just what's so great about this game. Um, multiple paths to victory. I, ah, I'm so good. So in this game's worker placement, you are going to different spaces to get contracts to fulfill, to get stuff to fill contracts, to move around the world. That's not the world, but the map, I suppose we could say that. Um, is there anything else that you can do? You get can get money, fulfill contracts, um, get resources. Yeah, no, that's it. That. Yeah, that's it. That's, that's okay. the crux of it. And the money becomes important is the fact that you are not really blocked out of a space, but you are <laughs> in that you have to pay if someone else is already there. And you may not have the funds to pay. So there's like this really great balance of where do I want to go? Like, how can I do some workarounds? How can I complete these things and get bonuses so I don't have to pay more to go to different places? Um, it's such a good game. It's a really good, it's a really good Euro. It is hideous. But it also has like um, really great bits, like little bolts of cloth and things. I really, I, it's, it's a good game. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know who this is by. I don't know any the of Italians. that business. The Italians. I imagined. Um, and and it's their style. It's it's super good. I obviously it's my number ten. Marco Polo. Yeah, this one's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. Uh, okay. Jab jab that, wing wing. <laughs> that being said, we'll move on. Uh, my number nine is another game that begins with T. But this was might be one of the first games that we had to begin with T that's like a heavier game. And it's called yes. Zolkin, the Mayan Calendar. Uh, I think this is the, yes, this this is the Italians as well. I wasn't sure. I just looked at the box. Um, this is a game where basically it's a worker placement game. But the interesting thing about this one is it's got these big gears that are all interconnected on the board. There's five different s- sections of the board all connected to this one main gear. On your turn, you're going to either put a worker down onto a space on the gear, or you're going to retrieve all of your workers back, and or retrieve a worker back, and take the action of the worker that you're taking back. So the interesting thing here is, the longer that your worker rides out on this gear, the better the actions are going to be, because you always have to start the worker at the lowest available space on the, the gear that you're going to. And then as rounds go by, the longer you can keep that worker on that wheel, you're going to get to the better actions and the actions that you actually want to take. So it's a an interesting like management of when you're going to put workers down, when you're going to pick workers up, and just trying to get the actions that you want to take. It has some some cool crystal skulls in it that I really enjoy playing with. They look awesome. But all the rest of the bits are just like wooden discs and stuff. So the bits are not great, but the board with the gears looks amazing. And the way that the worker placement works is... I've never played anything else like it, and I really like it. So if you haven't played this game and it sounds interesting, check it out. You can find it pretty much anywhere because this game is pretty popular. So my number nine, Zolkin, the Mind Calendar. Yeah, this is my number 68. I've seen some where people have like painted up these gears. I wish we knew someone who would do that because it looks awesome. And I think if I played this more, I need, I need to play this again to refresh how much I like it. My number nine is a game that was a grail game for us for a long time. And then they made a new version. And they were supposed to retheme it, but thank goodness they didn't, because that would have been stupid. And number nine is Pret-a-Porter, or Pret-a-Porter, however you want to say it. 
I'm going to refer to it as Predator. Predator is a game about uh, kind of owning, managing a fashion design house. And you're doing all the different parts. Um, you're deciding what kind of a collection you're going to make. You're going to enter into a fashion show. You're going to make the actual pieces in the collection. You're going to be hiring employees to do your marketing because you need to do some kind of marketing to get your name out there, get it to be kind of a, a known brand. Um, you need people that are going to help run maybe your accounting portions or, or help you get cloth. So you've got all the stuff. You're going to manage your warehouse size. Lots of different things going on in this game. Super crunchy heavy um brandon hates it because he has a snowball's chance in hades of winning this against me i don't understand why he can't get it but he's probably better than me i'm terrible at this game i i love this game i don't know if it's because i can win it but again there's these multiple pieces to manage and you don't have a super ton of turns so you're trying to make the best out of what you have to enter these collections in the fashion show um because again you're wanting to make good money off of selling and if it does well at that show you're going to make this great money um and then you're going to fuel that back into your fashion empire empire the new artwork is really cool i would love to have the original i don't think it's ever going to happen um probably not yeah i don't think so the new one looks dope, really. And I think the theme is cool. I think it's, again, like Rococo, I think it's an underdone theme. I think it works really well as a game. It makes sense, thematic sense to me. These are the things that you need to do if you were going to put out a fashion line. And I think that makes it a little bit easier to teach. Yes, there's still a lot of stuff going on. I'm not just going to throw somebody into the deep end of this game. But I love that interplay of all those things working together. So my number nine is Predator. Yeah, I like this game. I'm not sure where it was on my list, but I know I have talked about it. It's did it's you? A, it's a I'm, It has to be on my list somewhere. At least I would videos. hope so, but I can't. I don't yeah. remember you talking about it. I think I remember saying that it's slower for me because I'm terrible at it, and it would be nice to actually be competitive one time. So I don't remember it, you it, talking about this at all. Was I sleeping? You probably were. You don't pay attention to me. It's fine. I, I don't, but. I try to at least make it look like I do. Yeah, that's true. You need to check on your list because I want to know where it is. All right. I'll look after well, after I talk about this one. Okay. So my number eight is, spoiler, not my highest VTAL game. There's going to be one more. Whoa. But this is one that I really like. And I would love to play it more. But, man, it's just a beast. Just like all of his games. That That's my only issue with his games. They're all just so difficult to teach and remember all the rules and have people who want to play them. That's just... It's rough. But my number eight is Lisboa. And I don't know, this this is one is about rebuilding the city of Lisbon after it goes through some earthquakes, some flooding, and some fires. So you're trying to um, take all these different actions by bribing the city architect, the king. Um, I think there's one other character. I can't remember his name. And then they're going to give you special permits to go build different storefronts that are going to trigger a whole bunch of bonuses based on what color road they're on. You're trying to get ships and ship goods and earn money. Um, trying to upgrade your cards so you can get better actions that you can take. whole bunch of stuff going on. Uh, I like the way the art looks. It looks like old um, tile, I guess. That's the po- supposed to be what the art looks like. The tile from Portugal during that time. of It looks like Canadian money. Yeah, it looks like Canadian money. <laughs> but it's really about supposed to look like tiles. Uh, but 
this game has a cool little booklet that shows you what all the actions do in depth that kind of walks you through them. So that's nice, but still, you still got to teach it. But I, I love this game. If somebody knows how to play it, I will gladly jump in and play with you as long as I don't have to teach it. So my number eight, Lisboa. Yeah, this is my number 32. And the more I play it, the more I sort of understand it. So I think it gets better with each play. Absolutely. My number eight is a game that I know you've already talked about because we discuss why the old version is better than the new Simon version with those dang minis. And that's Council of Four. I think this is another game by the Italians. Shocking. Yes. Yep. Um, in Council of Four, you are putting the your settlements across this map. And in doing that, connecting these routes, which are going to give you bonuses. In order to do that, you're collecting cards in different colors in order to like invoke the power of these councils. The best part is when you boot people out of the councils in the old version, they sit in these little balconies. So you pick up a colored meeple and shove somebody out to put somebody new in. And I like to make, you know, effective noises when people fly out and, you know, all kinds of things. Probably for that reason, I don't win this all that often because I'm too busy booting council members out and making them like scream to their doom or whatever but <laughs> yeah because they die you gotta like, be for saying ah. they die i didn't say they died they just they're screaming to their doom is what you said what do you, what do you think doom means maiming i don't know a broken <laughs> leg at the very least i'm pushing them out of the balcony um i don't it's not a towel balcony and it, but it just is feels very satisfying just to boop ear out I like it. Um, the I've played the Simon version, or no, I taught the Simon version to somebody else with like these big chunky uh, miniatures for the council members. Eh, it's fine, um, but the game itself I really like. Again, because they're multiplicity victory. Um, you're kind of moving up, then also on these tracks, they're going to give you bonuses. So balancing that using these. Are they called like apprentices? I don't know. They look like vampires is what I keep saying. Yeah, I, I don't actually know what they're called. I think they're apprentices, yeah. Dudes in cloaks because um, they can kind of allow you with extra turns or to augment um, some of the things that you're doing. They, um, you know, getting a good chain together. So you keep triggering all these bonuses at once. Great. Um, I don't think it was the last time I played it, but one time I played it, first time we played introduced michael corny to it he like completely whooped us like it was embarrassing yeah it was I mean, embarrassing i don't even think i was playing i it felt like i wasn't playing <laughs> i was at like two points or something is bad i know i was like dang it but he did a great job of of stringing together all of his settlements on the same route it's awesome i actually kind of like the artwork on this i think it looks awesome yeah like almost like a fairy tale storybook like there's letters um for the different towns and they kind of look illuminated and I, and of course there's the little council member meatballs in the old version in the new version. I'm sure they're really fancy, awesome looking minis, whatever, Simon, uh, you can have your hunks of plastic and some people like that. And if you don't want to knock people out of balconies, fine, get the minis, but either way you need to play this game. My number eight council of four. Oh yeah. This is a great game. Uh, I, as far as Italians go, this is probably one of the lighter games for sure. Yes, it is. I would say yes, it is it is pretty easy, very accessible. And also, I just want to say this. I know that the Italians are not all one group. I understand that. But it's easier 
than me trying to butcher all of their names. I can say the word <laughs> the Italians and I feel better about that as opposed to trying to say all the other names. So You know it's it's either Luciani or Giglio. Um, Giglio or Tashini. Uh, yeah, Tashini. See, we know who they are. It's just easier to say the Italians. See, even right there, I'm sure that his name's not Giglio, but <laughs> Well, and also Everybody knows I don't know who who makes anything, who publishes anything, who designs anything. So you know, I'm not even I'm not even sorry. <laughs> we really should have just called this top ten the Italians list because my number seven is also from the Italians, and it is um, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. I'm pretty sure that Katie already talked about this one. I think this is my up- number eleven, maybe just outside the top ten. Oh, nice! This is effectively a, a dice placement game, but the dice are going to be represented for each player using this pillar that nope, ties no, into the, the color of the die. And you're go- you're going around on the board. You're trying to get resources. You're trying to get money. You're trying to um, acquire cards that are going to let you build one of two different types of engines. You're trying to get in-game point cards. You're trying to get. Um, immediate like instant point cards you might use your special ability cards to help you get some bonuses a whole bunch of stuff going on uh and not a whole lot of time to do it normal italians fashion but the best part is the catholic church will come and slap you around catholics attacking this one and that's pretty awesome (laughs) they do so it's got the you know the normal italian dna of some track that's mean if you don't get to a certain level they like to do that but yeah i really like this game it's so good so glad we have it. I'd like to get the expansion sometime when the price comes down, if that ever happens. But just the base game by itself, I have a good time with. So that's why it's my number seven, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. You did get a gift card to a game place, you know. Ah, oh, that's true. I did. That'll make it reasonable. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, this is my number 20. I love this game. My number seven is not by the Italians. I actually Lame. had to look it up. I was pretty sure it wasn't by the Italians, but I looked up who the designer is. I've never heard of this person before. Yeah, I don't think Ex- he's done. they've done much else. But this game is Mud Jam, and that is Shakespeare. Uh, I, first of all, the theme. I love Shakespeare. Let, that, let it be said. I'm. You do? <laughs> I know it's a shock. Shakespeare and Sherlock. Those are my two, uh, my two strong loves right there. Um you know, I'm working on like my PhD application research. It's probably going to involve Shakespeare. I love Shakespeare. This game is about staging uh, Shakespeare's plays. You've got actors, you've got set design, you've got costumes, um, you've got the queen that you want to make happy, and you've got tracks. All the makings of a beautiful, beautiful game. Um, the artwork is okay. I, I kind of like the um, the character cards. They're all characters from Shakespeare's plays. We have the Backstage expansion, which if you like this game at all, I highly recommend. It's just a little deck of cards with... Um, so you've got some backstage... Like a... I don't know. Is it a candle? Um, what are you talking about? The little... Uh... Where you put your extra tokens that you're not using. Yeah, it's just whatever action you want to go to, you sit it next to it. Oh, okay. So the what I think is neat about this game is you have these tokens that are your workers, essentially. At the beginning of each turn, you bid for how many workers you need to use that round. And everyone's like, well, I'm going to bid all of them. Yes, but you don't get to go as early. The early bird gets 
the best employees. The early bird gets the best costumes. The early bird gets the best set pieces. So it's it's that really fine balance of how soon do I want to go versus how many actions do I want to take. Um, also, when you use certain actions, they're then not available for the next round. So there's also that tension. Like there's just so many really interesting things about this game. Besides the fact that I just absolutely freaking love the theme. With the backstage expansion, the workers that you don't use can be put to use backstage. Um, and you get an opportunity to maybe get some extra actions out of them. You're moving up on these tracks that are going to allow you to get points um, towards your in-game goals, as well as the fact that, hey, I want to get points for um, costuming all of my actors and for making the best set design that I could. And um, you are also hiring people that are helping you, you know, accomplish those things. It's so good. It's so stinking good. We haven't played it for a while and I'm very sad, but I would play this anytime. I love it. My number seven, Shakespeare. Yeah, this is good. I don't know why we haven't played it a lot. It plays really well at two players. I don't know. It does. And like, honestly, it's not really that hard. It's not really. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's, I just, I don't know. Maybe I need to raise it up on the shelf or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. All right. So my number six is, I'm actually surprised it's this high, but I do really like this game. And this I'm surprised. Is, I, I really like it. It's my favorite Stonemeyer game. And this is Viticulture Essential Edition. I really like this game. It's a, a basic worker placement game where you're using your workers to go around and collect different types of vines to produce grapes to eventually turn those grapes into wine. Uh, you're doing that over a course of either two or four seasons based on if you're playing Tuscany or not. And the interesting thing that this game has is it's going to give you an option of when you want to wake up in the morning. That's going to determine when you're going to go in turn order. The later you go, sometimes you get better bonuses. The earlier you go, you don't get as good bonuses, but you get to go first. So, you know, that kind of trade-off deal. I just really like this game. It's it's It feels heavier than it is. Maybe that's why I like it. But it's really like a medium-weight game that just packages itself in a, a heavier package. It's fun. It's easy to teach. And I just enjoy it. So my number six, Viticulture Essential Edition. I can't believe this is this high for you. This is my number 26, so I guess it is still pretty high. But yeah, this is this is a really good game. I played it a lot solo, too, and I think that, that helps. So I've gotten a lot uh, of plays, plays of it in. So my number six has got to be the ugliest game on my top ten. And that's saying a lot. <laughs> because remember, I've already said Marco Polo, Council of Four. Uh, the cover of Shakespeare is a little rough. But this game takes the cake. And that is a Marty Wallace game. Can you believe it? Marty Wallace in Katie's top 10. So amazing. Marty Wallace is so good. No, but this game is so good, and that's London. <laughs> London is a tableau builder, hand management-ish kind of game. You are laying cards out in front of you to kind of build your city of London. In order to do that, you must also pay a card of the same type. So there's like multiple card usage. What am I going to give? What am I going to take? And as you're laying these cards out, those cards just have different powers that are going to maybe generate money or points or what have you. But no matter what, everything's going to generate poverty. So you can also find cards that help get rid of poverty, but they're expensive. I stinking love the tension 
of that. Um, there's also, you can also mitigate poverty by placing, um, I don't know if there's supposed to be settlements or what, but controlling parts of London on a board, which is in the first edition of the second. Uh, I don't quite, you kind of do it in the second edition, but not with the board. And I think it's stupid, but you can fight me at me if you want. I don't care. Um, I like the board. It just keeps easier track. You can do kind of this underground card as well where you you put underground stops out there and you can get rid of poverty that way and gain points that way. You're just trying to make the most points out of your engine. If you go really big with your tableau, it starts generating a ton of poverty. If you go too small, you're you're running it all the time and you're still generating poverty. So you're really finding this great balance between using your cards effectively, being really efficient, but basically just trying to have less poverty than at least one other person. Because the person who has the most poverty? The least. The least poverty, all their poverty goes away. Which even if you have more than them, if you don't have that much more than them, you don't keep that much poverty. So I, ah, there's so many good things about this game. Now, yet there's coins and they're like flimsy tiddlywinks and the artwork is crap. It's just like basically browns and grays on cards, a lot of fog, a lot of smog. Clip um, art. It's clip art is what it looks like. Yes. But the gameplay, mwah, genius. I stinking love it. I don't understand why Marty Wallace has to make all these dumb other games about like, let's build a railroad and let's put coal on it. No, no, <laughs> you don't need that. Tableau buildings where it's at. My number six, London. Katie loves brass. Um, Shit, I do not. Yeah, London's good. I think I talked about it earlier. I do mm -hmm. like it. Um, you did. My number five is not even my highest Stefan Feld game, so there's a little bit of a spoiler. And this one is called Merlin. I love Merlin. It's so good. We have the Arthur expansion as well. And effectively what you're doing in Merlin is you are moving around this rondelle. You're rolling dice. And then based on the number of dice, the pips on the dice is how far you can move your character around this rondelle. So it's kind of a roll and move, but you can manipulate die faces with these apples so you can basically adjust it to whatever you want. And you're always going to have two or three dice to look at, some options. But then you can also have a Merlin die that everyone's sharing that is going to let you move forward or backwards to get even more options of spaces that you want to go to. And you're trying to, I don't know, I'm trying to remember what the base game has and what the expansion doesn't, but you're trying to fulfill these contract cards you're trying to get area control at these different locations in the board you're trying to get shields to defend yourself against attack of people breaching your wall you're trying to get flags because if you can get a bunch of flags you can get some points um, so normal Seffenfeld, you get a lot of points but you don't get as many points as some of his other games so that's a little weird but this one's really good it has a lot of nice colors really nice production and if you're a fan of feld and you want something that maybe feels a little bit different than some other Feld games, I would say give this one a shot because it does feel a little different, but still enjoyable. So my number five, Merlin. Yes, this is very good. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. I agree with you. My number five <laughs> is not Merlin. It is another game by the Italians. <laughs> the Italians are back again. They are back. And this game is Newton. Jason already talked about Newton. Um... So in this, you're kind of a fledgling scientist alongside the likes of Sir Isaac Newton. Um, 
you are doing a, a lot of things, admittedly, in this game. Um, you're moving up these tracks as you're making discoveries. You're moving around a map, possibly, to find... I don't, I don't even know why you're going around that map. You're picking up something. Gosh, it's been a long you're, time. You're visiting different locations to get, like, um, basically research points, which basically oh, okay, means okay, you're, okay. you're, like taking tiles or putting down cubes or something. Yeah. It's It's like, you want to go there to get some things there. Um, You're also doing things on a personal player board, like working through, um, like adding to your bookshelf, which is going to give you points and like different, different combos of ways down. um, Once you complete like rows and columns, which I think is really interesting. So much stuff is happening in this game. And, I love that because that means that you can, you know, go your own way, legitimately. Lindsay go Buckingham. your own way. Yeah. Um, because maybe you're doing really well on, like, moving around the map. Or maybe you've got, like, a really... I mean, yes, you need to do some of all of it. But you can kind of specialize in a certain area if that's really working out well for you. And so for me, a lot of games are making the most out of what you get whether it be rolls or cards or whatever newton also has this really kind of unique way of choosing your actions it's not really a deck builder but you have a hand of cards that are your actions and at the end of each turn you have to retire essentially one of those actions in a placeholder on the board um so if you ever want to do that action again you make sure that you you can also buy cards that you buy a card that does that action or you're in trouble. And so I think that's like another really neat piece is managing what's in your hand and what you can use and how you can use it. Um, I, gosh, there's just so many really good, interesting things going in the same. I've done a crap job of explaining it. Um, but I just think it's, if you're looking for like a next level game, this is worth it as far as an investment and as far as you sitting down, take the time to learn it because I feel like it, it really pays off in experience and in and, and interest of, of how you play and putting these different combos together and, and getting bonuses at just the right time from certain paths to help move you up on certain other areas. Ah, it just works together really well. I love it. So my number five, Newton. Oh, yeah, that's good. I absolutely hate buying cards in the game. But if you don't, like you said, you're going to be out of luck come a few <laughs> rounds later. You need to play this one again. It's been I know, a while. It's it's good. Good. It has been a minute. Um, so my number four is my favorite VTAL game, hands down. Um, I just I just love this one. And this is The Gallerist. I think I like this one because it's an, an interesting theme. You're running an art gallery and trying to you know discover new artists, display art in your gallery, sell art to the um, overseas market, all that kind of thing. But really, I also think this one might be easier to teach. Maybe it's just in my head because I've played it more. Um, but it feels easier to teach than me to me, so I'm more willing to pull this one out to teach it. It's a worker placement game. You have four spaces you can go to, and every one of those spaces has two actions. But of those two actions, it just triggers a whole bunch of other things that happen during those two actions. You're trying to discover artists. You're trying to um, give some publicity to those artists to make them more famous. You're going to go do like a little auction bidding thing at the foreign market. And you're also trying to get contracts so you can maybe sell some of your art from your gallery to make room to put on new art on display. 
the whole point of this game is you're trying to end the game with the most money, and that's it. So you're spending money to make money, which is the tricky part. But yeah, I, I love it. It's a great game. I don't know if other people feel the same way as me, but I don't care. It's my list. So my number four, The Gallerist. Yeah, this is good. It's like my number 28, and I think part of that is because it is very difficult to teach, and it is a lot for people. Um, I enjoy it a lot, but it, it can be an overwhelming game. All right, my number four has already been mentioned because Jason likes to see on my thunder. My number four is Merlin. This is clearly my favorite Feld. Um, it's one of the few games I know is by Feld. <laughs> so true. that kind of helps. Um, Merlin is a game of two rondelles. I think it's really interesting as I was listening to Jason describe it. I'm like, those aren't the things that stand out to me about Merlin at all, which is funny. So Merlin has an inner and an outer rondelle. The inner one is where you move Merlin around. The outer one is where you move your people around. Um, and you are collecting bonuses, completing these actions. You are trying to fight off invaders by collecting certain banners. You want to get... Um, there's some area control elements even to get people, your people into different colors to meet these goals. However, contract fulfillment, as far as that goes, is not really going to get you a ton of points as much as um, working this little sideboard is, which I don't love that because I feel like you almost have to spend more time doing that than other things. 100%, you need to make sure you're building some stuff in that city. Which I don't like that. But the Arthur expansion kind of helps mitigate that a little bit. Um, to where you don't have to focus on that so much. I get so occupied with where do I want to move my people and kind of uh, collecting pennants and banners and things from all these different colors that I don't always pay attention to the sideboard. But... Even with that, there still is a lot of really neat movement, a lot of different things that you can do kind of in your own way. Um, I like the ability to, okay, I can move Merlin back and forth. Do I want to wait and use his die before the other person or after the person was going to be to the best of my advantage? You know, those dice that are rolled, like what's going to work for me? Do I need to kind of mitigate that role with maybe a pennant from somewhere or with an apple or whatever. Like I, I like that. It's not super all to chance. There's some really great choices to make in it. I think the art's cool. Um, I really enjoy that. So my number four is Merlin. Yeah. Solid game. I have no complaints with your number four. Uh, my number three is one that you've already talked about in this episode and the Italians are back once again. And this is The Voyages of Marco Polo. So everything Katie said, uh, this is a dice placement game that's just a ton of fun. And there's, it leaves you wanting to do so much more, but you don't have time to do everything. It's it's fun to move around the board and try to set up trading posts so you can you know use those spaces as additional worker placement spots. Um, trying to fight people to get to the best resource spaces. Just, I like all of it. I like fulfilling the contracts, collecting the camels, getting the different resources. It's just so good. Um, I'm not going to say too much more about the Italians, but I do uh, I do really like this one at number three. So my number three, Voyages of Marco Polo. 
My number three is not by the Italians. Um, it's a new wish game. There have been a couple, there's been at least one reprinting of this because this game is so good. It's like short print runs. Um, it is like Down the Abbey, the board game, and that's Obsession. I am so into this game, and it's a lot to set up. And most people get overwhelmed by the setup when the gameplay itself is not that difficult. So in Obsession, you are the member of a house that has fallen into uh, disrepute a little bit. Your reputation is not what it used to. Your money is not what it used to. But there's a chance that it could be what it once was. Um, some rich orphans have come to stay with their aunts in the neighborhood. And they could help put some money into your estate. And they could help repay your reputation so you're going to try to win them over to your side you do this by hosting events at your estate you must also then staff the events so you are using these adorable different kinds of servant meeples that you need for different activities you also have cards that are people that you need to invite to these events um, those people can help repair your reputation they can help bring you in some income or they could do the opposite and ruin your reputation because they're a gossip. Or while they are rich, wealthy socialite, they're an American. And wow, that just is going to maybe up your money, but ruin your reputation. So you want to get more guests, get better guests, guests with more reputation, guests with more money, while getting rid of maybe the less savory guests that you might have starting out. As you're building your reputation, you're increasing your estate as you're trying to attract the fair child, fair child's either brother or sister, to spend time at your place, which will help restore your family's name and fortunes. I love that. Uh, full of lots of interesting choices and um how you can like use staff and restore staff is so thematic it just it's really fun setup is kind of a bear but the gameplay is so good i would play this more if there's an easier way to set up i think part of it is because jason for some reason feels the need to cram everything into one box all the time takes up less shelf space that's true, but it also makes it more difficult to set things up when everything's all thrown together. And I don't know, like, wait, wait, we got to take out so many tiles because we have these people or, oh, we don't want to play with those tiles. I'm like, ah, why? Yeah, that would be annoying. <laughs> it is annoying. <laughs> the, Jason has told me that there's supposedly a big box for this. I don't know no, where it is. I reached out to the guy. We had the big box. So, oh. um, yeah. We need a bigger a bigger box. <laughs> a, bigger, big <laughs> a bigger box. box. A big, big box. Because um, I, if I'm the one playing it, I'm just going to go in and restructure it and take stuff out and put it somewhere else in a separate box or something. Because I can't. I can't with this. Um, it's it's good. I, I love it. There's certain player powers and things based on which family you are. I think that's fantastic. It's so fun to play. Um I, I like the period that's set in. There's lots of funny little snippets on um, like the guest cards. We've got a bunch of like promos and expansions. You know, I always want Sherlock to be one of my guests and he helps you boot out on savory types because of the detective that he is. It's just such a good game and I want to find ways to play it more this year. So my number three is Obsession. Yeah, I do like this. It was lower on my list, obviously, but 
Um, yeah, it's fun. I'm not going to say no if someone wants to play it because probably you want me to set it up because you're annoyed with the setup. So, uh, yeah, there is that. All right. So my number two, I think that's what we're on, right? Yeah. My yes. number two is my favorite failed. And maybe it's new hotness. I don't know what it is, but it's bonfire. I really like this one. Um, it hits all the the goody, good feldy goodness. It kind of feels like he's gone back to his older roots with like um, Aquasphere and Trajan. It's where you can, you know, every different action ties into all the other actions, but you don't see it immediately. And what you're doing in this is you are moving this boat around these islands to try to collect different tiles, I think. I haven't played it for a minute, but you're trying to collect different types of tiles um to score some like in-game goals but the crux of the game is you're trying to get um different entrance ways to this like i don't know spaceship i don't know i don't know what the theme is i don't care but you're trying to get these little these <laughs> no little, that's not the way at all these little arch pieces that connect to your player board that are going to give you different colors and then you're also trying to get portals to connect that arch piece to this like temple section of the board so you can score a bunch of points and you're wanting to get these little like um touchdown Yoda's. Jesus touchdown Jesus figures going around the outside they of the board. They don't like touchdown Jesus they like Yoda. Oh no, no wait. No, you're I'm talking about the worshippers that have the big arms. They look oh. like yeah. So you're trying to get those to go around the outside of the board and get them to go down into the temple to score a pile of points. The farther they can get around the board, the more points you're gonna get. There's a lot more to it than that. You're also using these little like Yoda people to go out into the main board to give you some kind of bonus when you achieve some kind of goal. Um, the way the action selection works is this little like tile grid thing where based on where you put this tile, if it connects to other pieces of the same color, you're going to get a whole bunch of these action tokens of that color. And then you have to spend the action tokens to take every action that you want. Awful explanation. I do apologize. Um, but if you've played a failed game, if you played Trajan, if you've played like Aquasphere, this has some of that DNA in it. So what I was trying to explain should kind of make sense maybe if you think about those two games. But my number two, Bonfire. The first time I played this, I totally hated it. The more I've played it, the more I like it. But it's only as high as like number 69 on my list. Because um, there's some really annoying things about it, in my opinion. But I mean, that's most Feld games. He has some annoying stuff in all of his games, I think. I just don't understand why it's so high for you. I think that's fake news. I don't know. I, I told you it's probably new hotness. I just really like it. Mm. Probably. I would play it. I would play it more. Again, it's a pain in the neck to teach. This is one of his harder ones to teach. I would say. Yeah, there's a lot of weird stuff going on, and like the theme does not connect any of it. There is no theme. I mean, there is a theme, but how it works with the game, I have no idea. Your little like gnomes want to light the old bonfires for the, the gods, and that has nothing to do with how you play the game at all. Yeah, I know. Well, you're trying to connect those things so they can get the lawn fire slit. I guess that's true. Uh, my number two is no surprise. And this is the Italians, I'm pretty sure. Right? Oh, yeah. 100% Italian. Uh, I've loved this game for a long time. We have the newest expansion. And I haven't even played it yet. And that's sad. I've got upgraded components for this game. I, I love this game. My number two is Grand Austria Hotel. What? This is your number one last year, you traitor. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. No, it wasn't. My number one last year is my number one this year. Spoiler. I don't think that's true. I am. I think you need to go back and look at your list. I think you need to go back. I'm almost positive. I'll check after I talk about Grand Austria Hotel. No, I'll check. So I'll go Austria back right now. You talk about it. I'm going to go back. All right, great. Home. So in Grand Austria Hotel, you are running a hotel. Imagine that. 
Um, you're doing this through like a group, this whole big bunch of dice is rolled. Whatever number the dice is, that, di- that corresponds to a certain action. And however many dice are there gives you the power of that action. So on your turn, you're taking a die and you're going to do the action that it's associated with. You can um, gather different kinds of resources to fulfill the needs of your guests sitting at tables in the lobby of your hotel. You can open up bedroom or uh, like guest rooms for these guests. You can move guests into them. You can close the rooms. You can hire um new workers for your hotel they can help it run more efficiently or help you gather your own resources um you're also trying to move up on this track so that the i don't know hotel overseer doesn't come and slap you around i forget <laughs> what the name it's is it's not the it's not the catholics it's not that. the catholics they don't attack in this one but it's somebody else i don't know hotel overlord grandmaster hotelier i don't know whatever is whatever his name is whoever it is um, so there's, there's like that balance of, I want to do stuff in my hotel. I also want to kind of make sure I'm keeping everything on the straight and narrow on this track. A, a lot of things to manage, but I, I love that and making the most out of the dice that are out there. You don't have that many turns. You're just trying to do the best you can, man. Uh, there's bonuses for closing certain types of rooms, um, for, like completing orders for certain types of guests, like just lots of really great things going on in this game. And again, you can go about um, like making your points in whatever way works for you. I mean, yes, it's taking guests, completing guests and putting them in rooms. But do you want to do that through like employing a bunch of people and having them do the work a little bit differently or going really far up on the grandmaster flash hotelier track (laughs) that'd be a sweet track (laughs) it would be um just lots of different things happening i don't think the artwork i kind of like the artwork actually is this clemens franz i believe so yes it's it's not terrible i mean it's not great but it's not terrible and of course like i like to play with all the upgraded pieces that we have and um now there's this new expansion that adds this whole another thing where people are dancing and um i i can't wait to get into that my number two, Grand Austria Hotel. All right. So I don't want to tell you that you're right, but. But everyone right. knows I'm obviously right. I guess I thought I must have missed last year because I must remember the year before that because I know my number one has fallen a lot from a couple years ago, but mm-hmm. not. Yeah. We're not going into too much more after that. So my number one, Katie stole my thunder. <laughs> Grand Austria Hotel. It was my number one last year. And I know that because I just looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this is yeah everything Katie said about this game it's it's great just playing the base game drafting the dice opening hotels getting people in hotels or the hotel rooms getting them fed and some proper drink to score points keeping the emperor happy so he doesn't come and slap you around the emperor that's who it is yeah I just didn't want to uh, to spoil my number one so I kept that to myself. Yeah, this it's a fantastic game. I played through this uh, expansion by myself just to learn it, and it's it's gonna be good. It's gonna be cool. There's some cool uh, mechanisms in there that I don't know. I don't think they're necessary. The game is fine by itself, but it's gonna add some cool stuff. So I'm excited to play that. But just base game on its own, 
this is a fantastic game and I love playing it at least at two players. I don't want to do the four players because it takes too long, but solid game. So my number one, Grand Austria Hotel. I feel like you should have done more fanfare to be like, my number one game of all time for 2021 is Grand Austria Hotel. What? Like that? Sure. (laughs) So my last game, my number one game of all time is the same this year as it was last year, as I've already proven to Jason. And that is Coimbra. It's another game by the Italians, I'm pretty sure. Yes, uh, yes. It it overtakes Grand Austria because it actually has um, a potential for engine building, which I really love in a game. So in Coimbra, Jason's mentioned it before. I'm not sure where on his list it is, but I know he I talked about it. I think it was number 11. Tracks, the Euro game. In this game, it, it, which is really cool, all the different things that it does. You are uh, bidding to take cards using dice. Dice of different colors. They roll out in different amounts. They become yours. You use them to get these cards. Cards can do lots of different things. Some of them do many things. Um, They can give you some immediate bonuses. They can give you some end of game points. Um, They will all move you up on a certain color of track. So you're moving up these like four or five different tracks. They're related to cards, related to other things. You're balancing money versus like, what is that? Reputation or military or something? Yeah, one of those two, yeah. So you've got these kind of two types of currency that you can move through. um, And you want to have some of that so that you can actually afford the cards that you're going to try and bid on with these dice at two players there's like a dummy there's some dummy die amounts that go in that kind of make i think the bidding part really interesting that you don't get with multiple players but again you have other people you know bidding in different ways and you're really making the most of the cards that you get um and you can play that in a variety of ways like jason loves moving around this map and kind of taking um you know putting People at these different towns that give you bonuses and kind of their set collection happening there, um, their special rewards, which I like as well. I like to do kind of engine thing where if I get a certain type of card, it's going to give me these different bonuses. So I start collecting those or um, I start if I specialize in in one color but that one color allows me to move up on a different track color, then I can work both those angles. Like I, I, I like kind of the com- the complexity of this game and yet the simplicity of this game. Drafting dice, um, bidding on bidding to draft draft cards and then doing the result of the cards. It I I think that the artwork is really interesting. I love the colors that are used. That color scheme is great. Um, again, multiple paths to victory. How do you want to play your game? You go for it. I just it's just so it's so good. It's so good. It's still so good. I don't know if we've played it this year. Uh, maybe once, but yeah, not a lot. But it's still that good that I can't. I can't get it out of out of its number one spot. So my number one game of all time is Coinbra. Yeah, it was number thirteen on mine. I just looked it up. So there you have it. Our top ten games of all time as of twenty twenty one. Let's give you a recap of our top ten. My number ten, Tekenu, the Obelisk of the Sun. Nine, Zolkin, the Mayan Calendar. Eight, Lisboa, 
Seven, Lorenzo Il Magnifico. Six, Viticulture Essential Edition. Five, Merlin. Four is the Gallerist. Oh, I went too far. Uh, three is the Voyages of Marco Polo. Two is Bonfire. And my number one game of all time, according to numbers, or according to 2021, is Grand Austria Hotel. My number 10 is The Voyages of Marco Polo. Number nine is Prada Porter. Number eight, Council of Four. Number seven, Shakespeare. Number six, London. Number five, Newton. Number four, Merlin. Number three, Obsession. Number two, Grand Austria Hotel. And number one for 2021, Coimbra. So there you have it, our top 10 games. We have made it. And then we're heading to 2022, a new year, new games to be had that'll probably shake up our list. Um, So what about you guys? What are your top 10 games after you've lived through 2021? I know there have been a lot of game acquisitions this year, a lot more time to play games during the pandemic. So drop us your top 10 list. You don't have to go through Pub Meeple and rank everything, but if that helps, try it out. Otherwise, if you're like, hey, what are my 10 favorite games in my collection? Let me look through it. Let me write it down. Let me cross them out. Find those top 10 games I want to know because I know that our lists are not the same as everybody else's. Um, Tell us on Facebook in our hashtag the riveted group full of awesome people sharing great things about games and nothing else. Uh, Instagram, give me like a little picture they do those like nine cube thing or whatever i don't know what that's called but top nine yeah that's like it's in like the little squares you know yeah 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 you could do that and then just put your number 10 in the comments i don't know anyway you can show us pictures if you like tweet it out comment on our youtube i want to know what your top 10 are or do you have a board game resolution for 2022 as we head into the new year Mine is to make more videos, so like, subscribe, click on the bell for our YouTube channel, because maybe I will actually do videos. Or if you don't want to see my face, then unclick on the bell or something. (laughs) No, always click the bell. Keep the bell clicked at all times. (laughs) Then you'll know, is it Jason or is it Katie? Oh, if it's Katie, (laughs) ignore. (laughs) Yeah. Then you'll know. And next week's podcast, we're going to be doing a recap of our favorite games that came out in 2021 that we played in 2021. So we felt that would be a fitting first episode of 2022. Look at that. Planning ahead. Planning ahead. Amazing. However, it's totally unlike us because we generally don't know anything or play any of the new hotness and look at us. (laughs) A whole episode about games from the last year. Yeah. And we did play more than 10 games. Thank you very much. So back up off. Who? Who who is coming at us about that? Nobody. Everybody is. I'm just... Just Everybody nipping it in the bud right now. That's how you know that you're you're basically ir- irrelevant. Is like no one bothers <laughs> to troll you. They're like, yeah, we just don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I think we've gotten like maybe two or three trolls in like four years. <laughs> uh, and I only remember the one because I said I was annoying, and it makes me laugh every time because it's true. Yeah, that was it's, the one troll. Most of the time, I just true. delete the comments and then move on. But. <laughs> Well, I, I think that's it. We've done it. We've counted down 100 games. Yay. Now we have to get back to actually thinking of what we're going to do for the week. I know. And <laughs> we have to play. Maybe if we play more games, that'll help. That's true. It might. All right. Well, I, I hope everyone has a safe and wonderful new year. I've been Katie. And I'm Jason. Keep gaming, everybody. Keep gaming.